Welcome to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Break away for nonstop chill. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Feeling the urge to check someone into the boards? Let's do that hockey. Here's your host, Brian Hanley and Pat Boyle. Here's Philip Kurashev. With a chance to put the Hawks in the lead, Kurashev, he scores! A roof shot by the glove of McElhinney. 14 career goals in 19 games against the Blackhawks for the Tampa Bay captain. Can he do it again? Hawks win! Hawks win! What a fitting ending! That man, first, second, and third star all night long, Malcolm Subban, perfect in the shootout. Ah, another eventful week for your Chicago Blackhawks. Big shootout victory at the United Center last night, 4-3 over the defending Stanley Cup champions. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios. Hawks pick up three out of a possible four points against Tampa. Probably, Brian, the best team in the league. Subi, Subi, do. Uh, how about that? 39 saves, didn't get a lot of help. And, Pat, you and I were talking about this uh, a few minutes ago before the show, and I think John Cooper also alluded to it, uh, flat out said it. Uh, the results probably should have been reversed, right, for the actual play on the ice, the uh, the first two games of this three-game set. The, the Hawks had the, you know, got the win last night when not playing their best hockey for stretches and, and probably were outplayed by Tampa. And the the previous game, uh, it was, the roles were reversed, and so were the results. That's hockey, baby, right? Last yeah. night, uh, scoring chances. The Lightning had 32 five-on-five scoring chances. They had 11 high-danger chances. They had 81 shot attempts. Yes, last night, the Lightning outplayed the Hawks, and the Hawks managed to win the game. The night prior, the Hawks carried play most of that 60 minutes, and then it went to overtime. But it was that stumble early in the third period that allowed the Lightning to get back into the game. The Hawks end up getting one point. So, look, a lot going on with this team right now. You had Patrick Kane getting his 400th goal uh, last Sunday against Detroit, which was great to get that out of the way so that they could focus on this Lightning team. We've got Kane's 1,000th game on uh, Tuesday in Dallas. And then we had the news yesterday about Brent Seabrook announcing his retirement. So uh, I'll throw it to you. What what were the big headlines that you took from this week as far as the Blackhawks go, Brian? Well, again, I mean, Kane and Debrinkit, uh, just, it, I, it's a price of admission, even though we're not paying it, uh, just to watch those two, right? It is. The passing, uh, setting up Debrinkit, who's now got 101 goals and uh, six goals, six assists on this little scoring stretch. He's got the, the highest scoring uh, streak tied for in the active streak in the league. And who knows, you know, the sky's the limit for that young player. And so it's just terrific to watch. My only concern a little bit is the PK. Uh, it's now, I think, what, only seven teams have a uh, worse uh, penalty kill than the Hawks. And we've talked about it. You still have a very thin margin of error. So it's great. The power play is continuing to, to fire on mostly all cylinders. But uh, 
they're finding ways to win games they shouldn't win, and that's a really good sign for a young team. Yeah, last night it was Malcolm Subban. I disagreed with the the, uh, the three star selection. Not going to call that person out or whoever who picked those, but I mean, yeah, I God bless Alex that. to bring it. I always it. hated doing that. You know, is everyone in the press box looked at you like, really? That's what you came up with? And yeah. sometimes you have to do it early too, right? They ask for it oh, yeah. either before yeah. overtime. And they say, okay, hey, the overtime the worst, game winner. The worst is when you fill out the MVP of the Stanley Cup. In like the start of a third period, and they collect yeah. all the ballots. I'm like, really? The, the final 20 minutes gonna, and maybe overtime not going to count here. Okay. So Subban with the big performance last. I think he'll probably get to start tomorrow afternoon in the uh, the third game of this uh, this three pack between the Hawks and the Lightning. Do you think Subban will go? He should. Well, he earned it. And uh, you talked about the penalty kill. Look. They allow the power play of Tampa to score on their first power play yesterday, but then they shut them down the last five. I, I thought the PK came up huge, especially in overtime, uh, four on three. How about the overtime? Have oh, you boy. seen? I mean, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought Pat Foley was going to have a stroke. It was <laughs> absolutely insane. Back and forth, odd man rushes each and every way. It's unbelievable. It Kaner, Kaner starts it, and it's going the other way, and then two on one back with Kane the other way. And, and I tweeted, retweeted the NHL sent out that the clip of that stretch minute and a half stretch or so to start the overtime. And I, I admit, I said to think I was against three on three uh, overtime when they were coming up with this thing. I'm like, you know, I was a traditionalist, right? That open ice is wonderful. And my buddy Jay Zwaski did point out vintage Pat Foley uh, to catch a breath there after uh, about a minute and 32 seconds of end-to-end action. So your thoughts on this Blackhawks team, 312-332-3776. You can follow the show on Twitter, at ESPN Hockey Show. You can watch and listen. Uh, shout out to our Twitch folks, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. We got some hockey fans in there right now. Appreciate that as always. Hey, as you look at those Central Division standings, Tampa sits the top with 34. Carolina's next at 33. Florida, 32. Hawks firmly entrenched in the four spot with 31 points. What I'd love to see is there now a little bit of a gap between the Hawks and Columbus uh, who is now the five seed, they are six points back of the Hawks. That's the team you really need to look at. Nashville's already 11 clear of, of the Hawks. So keep an eye on on what Columbus is up to. If the Hawks, I have no problem with these three-point games when it's against teams like Tampa and Carolina and teams that are in front of you. It's it's the team in the rearview mirror, Columbus, that I'm worried about. You know, interesting, one of our listeners, uh, Will Chuckerman, Chukerman, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, tweeted out. So if you want a little extra nugget to, to digest here, Hawks are now 9-1-2 and two in the second uh, game against the same opponent, consecutive games, uh, with eight straight victories. And someone responded, well, is that just good coaching making adjustments or players making adjustments? And when you're doing it against a team like Tampa, I mean, that speaks volumes because they had a six-game win streak going uh, until last night. And again, Hawks didn't play great hockey, but they found a way to win. So that's a little bit of an interesting statistic for a team. One guy tweeted out and said, hey, can you explain to me why mainstream media didn't think this team was going to be any good uh, to start the season? And I'm thinking after the first four games, I don't think Stan Bowman thought they'd be sitting here right now either. And shout out to Will Chuckerman. He's uh, a valued member of of the Hawks uh, media relations department. You brought up Ryan McDonough, who scored last night for Tampa. He was asked afterwards if this Blackhawks team 
is a legit threat here in the Central Division. Yeah, no doubt. They're a top team. Uh, every team in our division, you know, they can beat you any night if you're not uh, on your toes and playing the right way. Uh, Chicago has great decor that can really skate and move the puck. Um, you know, obviously some high-flying forwards. And, you know, we've we got to continue to try and uh, stay out of the penalty box here. We've had a good run on the PK, but you give a team like this, I think, you know, the number one power play enough looks, it can change the momentum of a game. And we've got to be uh, – I think that's one area we can continue to get better at and be disciplined is, is staying out of the box. And um, – but like I said, this is a tough challenge. We got one more crack at him here in a couple of days and um, should be a good one again. Third and finale of this uh, three game set is tomorrow afternoon. It's a one thirty face off at the United Center. Well, the pregame show for you at one o'clock on NBC Sports Chicago. Other big story yesterday was the announcement that uh, Brent Seabrook is calling it a career after 15 years, over 1100 games. In the Indian head sweater, 103 goals, 464 points. He his presence in that locker room. I can't uh, I can't state enough what it was like to watch him with his teammates, with the media. Uh, I, I said it on Waddle and Sylvie's show. I, you know, I think every team has has your face, your leader. Like it might have been D Rose in, in, in those years with the Bulls, but. You know, maybe it was Joakim Noah who was really yeah. the voice behind the yeah, scenes. Absolutely, I covered Joakim, no doubt about that. And, and and it, you know, Brian Erlacher was the face for that 2006 Super Bowl. But you know, the voice in that locker room was really Olin Krutz. And so Jonathan Taze has certainly been the face of the leaders and the leadership of that team over you know his 14 seasons in the National Hockey League, but. The voice in that locker room, the barometer, the guy that gets you in line if you're not playing as hard as expected, the guy to keep it light when things are tough and you get a goal disallowed in a game seven against Detroit. You need to go out and win the game twice. He's the guy that went into the penalty box in 2013 and calmed Jonathan Taves down when he had committed three consecutive penalties and was melting down that was brent seabrook and uh he is is calling it a career uh his body just finally said hey enough is enough and uh he's unable to come back from those three surgeries he had a year ago you know all great points pat and when you you know hear him say yesterday that he couldn't walk right after christmas and Things were going well, and, and he's had the hip surgeries. Now he's probably going to need a hip replacement. One hip's fine. The other one is the point where he couldn't skate, couldn't get any push. You you read what he went through, and we all are aware of the contract. And, and it, you know, it, it became a point of contention with fans. You couldn't move him. You couldn't move the contract. Yeah, But for the first, what, from 2007 through 2016, he missed 13 games of 786, right? And we know the injuries have, you know, paid a, he's paid a huge toll with those the last couple of years. So how do you remember the guy? And we have a Twitter poll uh, question out there at ESPN 1000. Uh, should the Hawks retire number seven for Brent Seabrook, for Chris Chelios, for both, for neither? And my buddy Steve Ashburner, you know him as Mr. NBA, said, hey, was Pitt Martin chopped liver, the MPH line? (laughs) So you got to go back to the 70s if you want to throw Pitt Martin in there. But uh, certainly I think the the Hawks organization will will give that due consideration if it's not 
pretty much a done deal uh, moving forward here. Yeah, let's delve into that. Do you think uh, that Brent Seabrook is number retirement uh, worthy at the United Center? Does that also mean it's going to be a, a ceremony with, with Chris Chelios? Uh, your thoughts on that? 312-332-3776. Want to squeeze Brandon in before we uh, head to our first break. Here's Brandon uh, from California. Good morning, Brandon. Welcome to the Hockey Show. Pat Boyle, Brian Hanley, this is Can't Miss Radio. I absolutely love your show. Appreciate um, that, Brian. Uh, I tweet you guys and tell you that all the time, but I, I really do love it. Hey, uh, this has been really, really fun hockey to watch. And the one thing that really sticks out to me that's absolutely incredible is just, like, because we're in this pandemic, we have all these weird back-to-back-to-back games. And at first I was like, oh, that's going to be kind of boring. They're going to get to – you know, know each other and make adjustments in the game, but it's been awesome. And I've really, really just enjoyed that. And then the last thing I just want to say is, uh, Pat, do you know how uh, Calvin DeHaan is doing after that hit that he took to his leg? Keep up the great work, guys. I really appreciate it. All Thanks, right, Brandon. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, we had Jeremy Carlton on the postgame show last night. He did not think it was going to be a long-term situation with DeHaan. He blocked a shot uh, on the penalty kill last night. The Hawks had 25. I mean, you want to see uh, a team giving maximum effort? Take a look at the stat of block shots. It tells you, A, it tells you the other team has the puck, but it also tells you the level of commitment uh, and and what the team is is willing to put on the line, and that's something that Kelvin DeHaan did last night. Um, we're going to get an update uh, tomorrow. They're not practicing today after back to backs. He didn't believe it to be a long term situation. Uh, it could be one game or so, but again, uh, I, that's just speculation. We'll know tomorrow uh, when they reconvene for the uh, early one thirty puck drop, but it uh, does not look to be serious for Kelvin DeHaan. On the other side, we'll get into the Seabrook debate. Do you think the number 7 jersey should be retired at the United Center? And and what about Chelios? Are, are you thinking more of, of a ring of honor approach? That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Down by Erickson, Gilder to hit now, and Mike with ball. Oh my, he's run into by Bolin. Right back ahead comes Seabrook with a stop. He Biscuit coming through like he always did in clutch times. That's Brent Seabrook, one of his three playoff overtime goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All, of course, being game winners since it's overtime. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Some time now 
for Seabrook to chill and, and, and throw back a few cores light after a 15 year career all here in Chicago. And when I talk about clutch and, and coming to play on the big stage, that's something that I will remember most about Brent Seabrook. The 19 game winning goals in the regular season and those big time goals in the Stanley Cup finals, evening a series against Boston. Uh, coming through against Detroit, evening a series against Nashville also in 2013. Those are games that are hanging in the balance. You don't pick up those. You don't, there may, there may not be a 17 seconds eventually in Boston. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. In 1,237 uh, regular season playoff games, Mr. Overtime. And to your point before the break, we talk about the voice in the room. Saw Kirby Doc tweeted out, uh, Seeds, in the short time I've been in Chicago, you have taught me a lifetime of lessons. You are one of the best ever to put on the Blackhawk logo and even a better person off the ice. Can't thank you and your family enough. Congrats on a great career. P.S. I mean, th- P.S. Thanks for letting me stay in your basement. Well, there's that. <laughs> I would assume he wasn't charging uh, Kirby anything. But I don't I mean, think that, so. That, I mean, that's terrific. That to, to, And he said yesterday, left it all out there. I mean, it wouldn't change anything. Could have hung it up and gone on long-term IR and collected all the money he's due a year ago, probably, after the surgeries, right? Yes. Wanted to, wanted to give it one more go. Let, let's hear from Brent on this. So like, let's. So back in uh, July, right before they went to the bubble, he surprisingly came back to the, the training camp. And we're all like, he's going to try to, to go? I mean, it, it was, you know, six months removed from... Uh, you know, three surgeries, two on, on each hip and one on his shoulder. He decided to pull the shoot there. He said, look, I'm feeling good. I'm, ba- but I'm about 75, 80%. I'll be ready to go when the, uh, the next season starts. And somewhere around Christmas, things changed for him when he hit the ice and it affected his hip. And then it was last Saturday that Seabrook realized after six weeks of trying to come back that uh, this was not going to be in the cards for him, that he was going to have to call it a career. Here's Seabrook on that. You know, talking to Dr. Terry uh, last Saturday um, night, I skated with the taxi squad Saturday morning, and uh, it was tough. It was, uh, it was hard um, to skate and, uh, and keep up. Um, skating for three weeks prior and it was, uh, it was a battle. It just never really gave me anything. It never, never got better. I'd wake up in the morning. It'd feel pretty good. I'd skate for five minutes and it would lock up and, and I couldn't push or or pivot or turn. Um, everybody that I was working with was great. They skated me hard and, and, uh, tried to get me ready to roll. And it was, uh, you know, that Saturday I was pretty excited uh, Mark Crawford was was running the drills, so um, it was uh, it wasn't an easy practice, but uh, sort of made uh, made me think a little bit. Talking to Doctor Terry the Saturday night, um, you know, I think it confirmed what he already knew about a month ago, and uh, you know, in, in true fashion, I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to see how I feel in the morning, and and maybe I'll skate." But uh, I woke up the next morning and, and couldn't really move very well. So, uh, you know, that was sort of the decision I made. And, uh, um, you know, with the help of Dr. Terry, I don't know if it was a decision I made or, or my body made for me. 
Seabrook said that there's no cartilage in uh, in one of his hips that he's going to probably have to have hip replacement surgery. Doesn't know if he's going to have it right away or down the road, but uh, it, it's the reality that all, especially for a guy like Seabrook, and we found this out back last summer that. There were times, say a decade ago, that it was probably in his best interest to have surgery. And because he wanted to stay in the lineup, because they were making a cup run, he decided to keep on playing. And now he's paying for it on on the back end, Brian. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what makes hockey players, uh, I mean, they're so tough. And they don't want to miss a shift. I mean, we've seen guys, you know, lose half their teeth and be out there for the next shift after taking 30 stitches or whatever it is. That's the commitment he had to his teammates who wanted to be part of that, what was going on the ice in the the room. So do you get credit for that? Is that, is the three championships, is that enough to retire number seven in his honor? Uh, When you look at Shelley, just his dedication and the years he gave to the organization without winning Stanley Cups, uh, is that an argument? I mean, what 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 do you take into account when you're talking about such an honor? I, I'm sure you know some people probably say, "Well, is he, is he in a Hall of Fame consideration?" Given the fact that he was a leader on three uh, Stanley Cup teams, I think that's probably a tougher conversation to to win people over on. But who knows? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think uh, Brent's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he played with a Hall of Famer and Duncan Keith, and that's probably why you know he's been quote-unquote, second fiddle for, for most of his career. But uh, to me, when you recognize a player for a franchise, they are a Hall of Fame player to that that team. They have done something significant over a significant period of time. They have won uh, the heart of of that, that fan base. So, like, I mean, to me, Steve Larmer's 28 should be, should be retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in the case of Chelios and Seabrook, they both have made absolutely significant contributions to the Blackhawks. And I have, I think both are worthy of having the number seven sit up there. I'm also uh, of the camp too, that maybe you start creating a ring of honor because here's the thing. When you have the success that the Blackhawks have had and you get those three cups in the six years, the six seasons, there are, you know, where do you draw the line? You know, there, there's folks that think, you know, Nick Jalmerson is the ultimate warrior. Hmm. He was, you know, blocking shots. Right. And, uh, you know, just the unsung hero. Patrick Sharp, a part of it. Corey Crawford. I mean, the list goes on and on. So you run maybe, out of numbers. Yeah, you run out of kind of like uh, the Bears situation. Yeah. So, Which is really wh- you know, Where do you stand on just the philosophy of... Uh, retiring a a a number with a team. Well, I, I like your ring of honor idea because really, you when you start these conversations and you can make arguments for a whole host of players. Realistically, you have to worry about running out of numbers, so maybe you just put the names up there, right? And 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 that's the more logical way of doing things because when you get three championships in the, in the short span of time, relative short span of time that the Hawks get, did get. There are a lot of people who contributed, and they weren't all, you know, the the most goal scorers or the best, most assists or whatever. So, if you're going to honor all those who contributed, maybe that's the way to go. Ring of Honor. 
So uh, everybody wants to know about the financial side of Seabrook. After this year, he's got three years remaining on his contract, and, and that's at $6.875 million. That is the cap hit. Basically, he's not retiring. He's going on permanent LTIR for the rest of his career, like Marion Hosa did. So they could trade that cap hit to a team that's trying to get to the floor. They could try to move it to Seattle, uh, the expansion team. Uh, and then they can also recoup about 60% from insurance. So uh, the Seabrook situation is not going to hurt this team right now in the uh, – in the immediate future as far as the salary cap goes. Up next tomorrow, it is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, I think we both think Subban will get that shot, right, Brian? We do. We do. And so, Jeremy Colleton, you understand that's where we stand. Go ahead and make the call. It was a, a truncated edition of the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light, breakaway from the nonstop chill uh, Brian, coming up next, we've got uh, Notre Dame basketball. We will be back next Saturday after Patrick Kane plays his 1,000th game on Tuesday. I sat down with him for a very revealing interview. We'll have that for you next week. Up next, it's Notre Dame basketball against Florida State on ESPN 1000.